0: Welcome to this week's episode of BusinessWise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian philosopher and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. If you think you're going to build a successful and expanding company without training, you are subscribing to the second point of group sanity, uh, or should we say insanity, after point number one, which is hiring, and that is training. As I mentioned in the last episode, Mr. Hubbard isolated the 11 points of success and failure in groups in an article he called Group Sanity. These are the points that he refers to as the, quote, make and break items of an organization, end quote. Now, the first of these points is hiring, as I mentioned earlier, and we discussed this in our last episode, the one right before this one. Today, we're going to take up point number two which is training. A member once told me that the reason he was not training his employees is that he was afraid that once they got trained up, they would leave. Now, that's a valid concern. I can tell you that this is quite likely to happen, at least sometimes. Not everyone you hire is going to put their loyalty to you and your company ahead of the many factors and vicissitudes in their lives. I really like that word, that $10 word, vicissitude. Uh, I'll define it for you. It means, this is Mr. Oxford, a change of circumstances or fortune, typically one that is unwelcome or unpleasant. They give an example. Her husband's sharp vicissitudes of fortune. And it comes from the Latin vicissitudo, from vicissim, by turns, from V-I-C, I guess. How would you pronounce that? Vic? Which means turn or change. So life is full of vicissitudes, is it not? That's just a fact. Jack? So, hardly a good reason not to train people because you are concerned that the vicissitudes in their life will be such that they might leave you. You know what should be a bigger concern for you? That you don't train them and that they stay. I would say a company of untrained employees that won't quit uh, is a bigger nightmare (laughs) than having a group of trained professional staff that occasionally has somebody leave. I mean, that's just going to be. It's part of the game. So uh, the article we are referencing was written by Mr. Hubbard on the 14th of December, 1970. It's the same one we referred to in the last episode. Its title is Group Sanity. One last term I want to clear up with you before we get into it, though, and that's the term one-worlder. Now, One World is the title of a book. It was written in 1943 by American politician Wendell Wilkie, who lived from 1892 to 1944. And it's the story of Wilkie's 1942 tour of England, the Middle East, the Soviet Union, and China. It was American. It was a powerful argument against isolationism and an appeal for post-war cooperation among nations. Now, from this, we have the concept of a one-world government. And this is essentially an idealistic notion that claims nations across the globe should or could align into a sovereign entity, as in a single authoritative government. Now you can conclude for yourself if a one world government would be helpful or not to your individual freedom. Uh, you can also look for yourself at, one, at what one worlders have created in the education of our children. All right, with that said, let's delve into the article. So it starts out, he says, the points of success and failure, the make and break items of an organization are one, hiring, two, training. So we're going to tackle 2 today. And he says here, education has fallen under the control of one worlders is less and less real. Data taught is being taught less well, less data is being taught. School and college unrest reflect this. Confirmation is the deteriorated basic education found in teenagers such as writing. Older technologies are being lost in modern rewrites. And he puts this next sentence in all capital letters. This third dynamic psychosis is a covert refusal to train, end quote. So I remind you, third dynamic is the dynamic of groups, the urge to survive with and as groups. And uh, many of us have that. You see that very dedicatedly, sometimes in very effective athletic teams, you might say that the participants have a strong third dynamic. They enjoy being part of a team. They survive well as a team. You also find people are very weak on the third dynamic or very uh, aberrated, a little bit crazy on the third dynamic, won't have anything to do with groups, seek to destroy groups and tend to individuate from groups and so on. But it's a pretty usual urge within people to uh, seek to be part of a group. That's pretty... Normal, and we and Mr. Hubbard refers to that as the third dynamic. Dynamic is an urge to survive, so this would be the third dynamic, the dynamic of groups. So, to repeat that last sentence, he says, Here, this third dynamic psychosis is a covert refusal to train. I think it's very important to note his choice of words. There is apparently training, I mean, you have to go to school forever to learn stuff, right? You got to go. Through what, 11, 12 years of uh, uh, schooling before you go to college, and then you got to go to college for four years, and then, you know, got another spend another two or three years getting a doctorate or a master's uh, degree or whatever you have. Certainly, there's no absence of time or emphasis in training, so there's an apparency of training. And you get people in your employ, I guarantee it, that come in and they claim to be trained. You know, I'm a trained professional at this, or I'm a trained professional at that mechanic, doctor, artisan, uh, construction worker, carpenter, plumber, you name it. If they came to you straight out of school where they were supposed to learn these subjects, you tell me how effective are they with these subjects? And uh, I left a, a poignant pause there for you to answer that question. And in all likelihood, as has been the case with uh, the majority of my members, we, we don't have the greatest of experience with people who have been trained. No, you end up having, in many cases, to do the training yourself. Why? Because since there's a psychosis in the society. It's a covert refusal to train. So you're going, why? And you, you know, we might want to audit, just sit in some of these classes in college and go, You know, as a practical, successful entrepreneur, go sit in uh, and and just listen in on a typical uh, MBA lecture or class or study some of their textbooks and you go, what in the heck are they studying? This stuff isn't real. This isn't reflecting real world entrepreneurship. And it's not what you learned. It's not what you had to learn. If you're successful as an entrepreneur, you've learned things one way or the other. Hopefully, you've learned quite a bit from listening to Business Wise and studying Mr. Hubbard's works on management and administration. But one way or the other, if you've had success, that success is to the extent that you've been able to study and learn something, right? And this is the case with most of us. You know, you go uh, and get earn a degree, and now you got the paper. I've had young people come to me sometimes. I'm I'm talking to them about different career choices they have. I'll sometimes do a lecture for young people, and they say, "Well, you know, I know colleges." not that um, practical, but I really need that piece of paper. I'm sure you've heard this before. What the heck do you need a piece of paper for? You know, you can buy all the paper you want. You can find it in the trash can. There's all kinds of paper all over the place. You don't need to spend a a fortune in four or five years to get paper if that's what you're looking for. No, it's like, it's knowledge you want, and it's a particular kind of knowledge. It's knowledge that you can use to get something done, to accomplish something, to get a result, that is training. If you look at Mr. Hubbard's definition of a student, so I'm going to just move off of this article. We'll come back to it, though, the one on group sanity here, but he I just want you to have this definition of a student. He says, this is Mr. Hubbard's words here, a student is one who studies. He is an attentive and systematic observer. A student is one who reads in detail in order to learn and apply. As a student studies, he knows that his purpose is to understand the materials he is studying by reading, observing, and demonstrating so as to apply them to a specific result. He connects what he is studying to what he will be doing, L. Ron Hubbard. So yeah, what is training? Training, of course, implies that somebody is Being trained, that person being trained is called a student. Okay? A student is one who studies, he's an attentive and systematic observer. I have members who consider that they're training their employees just because they go over stuff with them at the staff meeting, Uh, they have them read randomly this or that. Ask yourself is this systematic? Am I actually training them? Are they actually being students or are they more being spectators or trying to be nice to the boss or whatever? Are they actually studying? with this intention? Are they reading, observing, and demonstrating so as to apply the data to a specific result? And if they're not, they're not really studying. And if they're not really studying, you're not really training. This is why it is so important to have a training methodology or system in place and of course in wise we that's a big emphasis that we that we have we have many many different alternatives for people so that they can train themselves and their employees we have many options if you if you don't know what they are you can write me at info at wise and i will outline it for you we even have a nonprofit called the effective management training center which we uh which was created under our direction for the purposes of servicing the wise members and giving them economical and effective and rapid training, systematic. So you put somebody onto one of those programs, this is not a pitch. Look, you know, if you're listening to this and say, wow, this sounds like a, you know, walking advertisement for uh, a wise membership and getting, you know, a training program implemented. Yeah, you could take it that way. Or you could also consider, am I part of this psychosis That's going on in our society today, a covert refusal to train. Look, you want employees who can get results, don't you? Whether it's answering the phone, selling, servicing a customer, producing something, making something, you want employees who know what they're doing. Well, you want employees who can get a result. Well, people get results because they've been trained to get those results. And if you're not training them, If you're counting on the society to train them, you're looking at a psychotic situation in society today where there's a covert refusal to train. Are the kids going to school for four years able to come out and get a result? You ask yourself that question and and, and take a look around. I'm not saying there aren't some valid training programs around. I'm I'm not flushing everything. I'm just saying as a general rule, you're seeing a dramatization of this psychosis. Even people who are coming out trained technically to repair cars or to fix teeth or whatever they're doing, in many cases, I have found with my members that they have to be retrained. In construction, for sure, they go to these technical schools. I have members who have created fascinating programs in roofing and, and, and wood framing and construction, fascinating detailed programs to train their employees and don't think those companies are not highly, highly successful there. Uh, one member up in uh, Minnesota has the largest company of his kind, has a very big emphasis on training his, uh, his construction workers. You go, well, you know. I can't train my construction workers. I can't train my, you know, they all speak, you know, some other language or whatever, you, whatever your justifications. No, this, this guy figured it out. He's training his guys within an inch of their lives and they're proud to be part of his team. They're darn proud to be part of his team. And um, and he has a highly productive, effective company. And, you know, uh, I have another member who uh, has a roofing company that started with a ladder and a garage, and they're now a multi-multi-million dollar concern. They're all over the country. They've got branches everywhere. And, you know, they have, you know, roofs in their warehouses that guys are clambering around on. They're on the floor. The roof is on the floor. It's a model of a of a roof. But they learn roofing. It uh, doesn't matter where they came from. They're doing their training in this particular company so that they, the company, can look at that person, know, that person is trained. You, you think they're sitting on considerations. If I train these people, they're going to leave? No. They've disabused themselves of this psychosis, of not training people. And never mind the impact it makes on people's lives. That's, I've even talked about this in earlier episodes of Businesswise. You know, when you train people These guys have been going through school. They've been going through their lives. Maybe they dropped out of school. Maybe they found it was useless and they're, they're not trained in anything. Now you train them. You've just changed their lives for the better. There's something that they can do to get a result. And if you love and care for people, as most of us do deep down, the ability to produce that on another person is pretty darn cool. This is so cool! to look at the fact that you didn't just give them a good job. You didn't just you gave them confidence. You gave them security. You gave them competence and an ability to do something uh, in their lives that they know they can do extremely well. Why? Because you trained them. You didn't, you know, fall into this trap of let's not train this covert refusal to train. So anyhow, uh, let's go on back to uh, this article, group sanity. I'm going to just read you this section. It's very, very interesting. He says, basic training, hats, check sheets, and packs must exist for every member of a group. Hey, look it, everybody gets trained. There's basic training just to be a part of that group. Like imagine a football team where no one bothered to teach the, you know, well, we're only going to train the stars. The rest of these participants, you know, they don't know the rules of the game. They don't know the, the, the fundamentals. They don't know uh, the plays. No, there's basic training. Hats, which is, of course, hats are write-ups of the various functions and duties of the of the post. Check sheet would be a step-by-step. This is a methodology created by Mr. Hubbard, a technology created by Mr. Hubbard to train people where they have item-by-item. Item. Talk about systematic. If it's not on a check sheet, it's probably not as systematic as it needs to be. So uh, we at YZUS, we approve check sheets. Our members, they, they write check sheets on... As I said, how to be safe on a roof or, you know, how to prepare a room uh, for the doctor. There's check sheets on these things. They send them to us. We approve them. There's no charge for it for WISE members. We look them all over and make sure there's a good check sheet that they've got there. And they're using Hubbard Management System and Huber's study technology to get people trained so that they are competent in their area. You should be doing this. If you're not doing it, you should be doing this. He goes on and says, criminal or antisocial conduct occurs where there is no hat. Hey, you ever wonder why you make a good hire? you put a lot of work into it. You're really confident in this person that they're a really good hire, and they turn criminal or antisocial on you somehow? Has it ever occurred to you that maybe that came about because you didn't train them? That's pretty darn common, a lot more common than you think. I see a lot of that. He goes on to say, any type of membership or role or post in the whole organization or its field requires individual and team training. Only where you have a group member who will not or cannot bring himself to have and wear a hat will you have any trouble. So you get a trouble spot, you know right off the bat, somebody's not getting trained in that trouble spot. You have an area that's not getting trained, vice versa. If you've got an area where people are not getting trained, you know you're going to have a trouble spot. They go together, one uh one after the next like like night falls day you're not training you're gonna have trouble swats. you have trouble swats, you're not training so this is so true that it's the scope of personnel enhancement now a uh, personal enhancement so personal enhancement just so you know goes in division five of uh, you're having a seven division organizing board the qualifications division and by the way one of the statistics of that organization is gross income divided by staff so if you want to see it's an interesting measure of your viability Take your gross income of your organization divided by the number of staff you have and watch that stat every week. And if it's not going up, that means your qualification division, Division 5, and the enhancement part of it, of training people, is not getting done. That, all this training belongs in Division 5, okay? And Mr. Robert goes on to say this, ask yourself, who isn't trained on his post and had it? And you can answer, who is causing the trouble? Basic training, slight or great, is vital for every member of a group, paid or unpaid. He also embraces uh, volunteers in this. Many organizations have, you know, field representatives who uh, advocate them and so forth. So they need training too. Uh, They're working with you or they're working for you in some volunteer or uh, for a social reason, you know, making a difference in the community through any of your public relations programs, for example. They need training too. Anywhere you need to get a result, people need to be trained. Just think with that says this requires training. Training begins in childhood. Often it has to be reoriented. My goodness. Uh, you know, these days I have to teach my hires how to eat properly with table manners in. This isn't something that's necessarily trained anymore in on uh, young men and women uh, today. It's it's quite shocking. said, look, you're going to go out to lunch with uh, one of the members and you better know how to handle your knife and fork and eat with your mouth closed and keep your elbows off the table. This is stuff that you think everybody knows, but no. Very often uh training even goes down to that. He says training as a group member must be done. What are the policies of this organization? What is our purpose? What are we here for? What are our general agreements in terms of schedule? What's okay and what's not okay? These are the kinds of things that you have to train every group member on. Doesn't matter Oh, well, they're not literate. Good. Figure out a way to train them or make them more literate. Uh, Mr. Harper goes on to say training in exact technology or in the precise tech of admin is not the first stage of training. Look, at, we're not asking for very sophisticated stuff. The Effective Management Association training center, the centralized training center that we created as a nonprofit to give you training for your employees, the initial courses are about the, the lessons are videos and they're like five to 10 minutes long each with very simple. Essays afterwards that, you know, anybody can train and they can train on their own schedule, but, um, that we don't start with anything too sophisticated. It's all fundamental stuff that everybody should know, like keep your manners in, don't snap at people, you know, be friendly. This is, you know, you don't think you need to train on this. Ask how many unfriendly staff you have. So he says training in exact technology or in the precise tech of admin is not the first stage of training. Basic training of group members, no matter how slight must exist and be done otherwise group members lack the basic points of agreement which make up the whole broad organization and its publics so you don't have a united team you don't have a team that's you know works like a well-oiled machine you probably don't have basic training and never mind the precise technology of the of what it is that they're supposed to be producing whether it's you know surgeries or dental hygiene or you know that's got its own technology auto repair uh Cabinet making, hanging cabinets, all these things are precise technologies, but more fundamental than that, you also have to teach them the group agreements that unite that group, okay? Then he goes on to say, training must be on real materials and must be rapid. The technology of how to train is expressed in speed of training. So this is very important. You know, Mr. Hubbard did a lot of research into how to study, and it's called study technology, and you should become familiar with it if you're not. Because that means that your training is going to be much more effective and much quicker. Listen to what he says here: the idea that it takes twelve years to make a mud pie maker is false. Time in training does not determine quality of training. Amount of data learned that can be applied and skills successfully drilled determine training. I've seen lots of training that's all theoretical. You go to a, this is one of the problems with seminars. It's one of the problems with business wise. If you only listen to what you know, what we go over with you and don't actually drill it yourself and put it into practice. It's of course, better than not listening at all, but it only is the beginning of the cycle. It also needs to be drilled. And sometimes I'll throw a drill into business wise, but, and if I do, you should do it, you know, and keep drilling it until you get it down that the society currently stresses. This is Hubbard that the society currently stresses. Time is an aberrated factor. The ability to learn and apply the data is the end product of training, not old age. This is Mr. Hubbard. The rate of training establishes to a marked degree the expansion factor of a group and influences the smoothness of the group during expansion. So if expansion is rough for you at all, you're not training. You're probably not training. I can tell you there is a common denominator of all of my members who have 20 or more employees, they train their employees to a greater or lesser extent. Some train better than others. And you know what? The more I think about it, the more I realize that the really big members with hundreds of employees have great systems of training in. And then I have members who are tiny, two or three people, you know, half a dozen employees, maybe 10. And uh, they're monitored to some extent by how much training they're doing. So if you want smooth, rapid expansion, if you're one of these guys that's always complaining about never being able to get away from your business, you might just as well look in the mirror and say, you know, I think I have a bit of this psychosis on training because I'm not training my people. Take another look at that guy in the mirror and just say, do I or don't I dramatize this psychosis that is so prevalent in society, a covert refusal to train and don't fall for it. Because you will have success to the degree that you train. And do not think that society around you is providing the training you need because they're dramatizing that psychosis as well. So get excited about it. It is fun to train people. It's fun to, to help people become more and more professional. And you see their pride go up, their competency level go up, their certainty go up, their loyalty to you go up. It's, it's quite the contrary. Actually, taking the time to properly train Uh, your employees and make sure they really know what they're doing and having success uh, is more likely to have a group of employees who will stick by you, stick with you because you cared enough to train them. But also, yeah, sometimes they leave. I have a member who just wrote me the other day, uh, a tremendous success. She trained her office manager and he was so successful. He decided to go out and start his own business and she was proud of him. And he's now, you know, two or doubled or tripled his income and is achieving his goals. And they've stayed friends and she's super proud of him. And she knows she had a hand in helping him achieve those goals. And she didn't miss him because why? Because she was training her other employees and there was another office manager right there, ready to go. Because the, the thing that really protects you as we went over in the last episode, it's not. Personnel is not a static subject. It's a dynamic subject. You should always be hiring. You should always be training. Don't think, well, you know we're going to do a bunch of training and then we're done for the year or we're done for this group, or we we don't need to train anymore because everybody's already trained. Forget that idea. It's a dumb idea. it's It's part of your cycle of production. You should always be training your employees. You should always be getting them more and more efficient, better and better and better able to get the results they seek to achieve more uh, more professionally. Better, quicker. Always be hiring. Always be training. Next week, potentially, we'll talk about the third point of group sanity and insanity. Uh, I might do that, or I might skip skip it and do it a little bit later. But anyway, we'll cover each of these eleven points sooner or later. But there you go. That's the one on training. Hope you take it to heart. This one, as I know, I, I keep drilling this into the membership: train your people um now hopefully you have a better understanding why we emphasize that and you will train your guys and gals okay all right well that's it for this week thank you very much for listening uh please leave your comments and uh any successes and give us a like if you like what you heard we'll talk to you again next week